Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, my name is Monty Walden. I'm with Lamberto Frescobaldi, one of the, the mo- from one of the most famous families in Italy. I mean, how far does your winemaking family go back to? Oh my God, it goes back to 1300. The story of my family begins around the year 1000, and then in in the 1100 they bought um, the land where our home is in Florence and uh, became traders, bankers, and then they started to buy land in the 1300 and started to produce wine. And um, initially it was uh, south of Florence in the area of called Val di Pesa, so really rolling hills. And um, and then over over time, uh, they've, been, they've been to Bordeaux, then to England, and then back in Italy. So it's we have an amazing archive in our family with letters, for example, Henry VIII, uh, wrote a letter ordering wines to the to the Frescobaldis, and then. Uh, so you're basically responsible. Your wine was responsible for us growing up with the Reformation when Henry <laughs> Henry VIII left the Church, the Catholic Church. I guess it's all so. down to your wine. I guess so. Too much fun with um, with his uh, so. all his lovers. Okay, so tell me well, one of your famous estates is Castello di Nipozzano. Tell us a little bit about that. Castello di Nipozzano is uh, it's very unique, especially for me because every estate we um, own. They have something uh, unique. Uh, I grew up there, so I have to remember the first uh, time that I was uh, um, stealing bikes and motorbikes from workers and driving around Nipozzano. We are east of Florence, only 20 miles east of Florence, in a fairly hilly area. It starts to be quite hilly. And um, uh, the home where I, I grew up and lived we had the cellar, so uh, I remember crashing time and then uh, going in the cellar and, and tasting the wine and, and unfortunately uh, getting to know quite early. I was, I think I was six years old and I understood that wine had to be drunk in moderation because I remember they came in and picked a, a friend of mine and myself and we were totally trashed. At and the age uh, of six? At the age of six. So hang on, you were, you were, you were <laughs> drinking illegally, you were, you were stealing bikes. I mean, yeah. how did you end up in jail? Uh, almost, almost. But uh, I drank because, uh, you know, don't you, that in, in, in the month of June, uh, when there was the wheat uh, harvest, it was always a big feast because wheat means bread. And, um, and so this was this big event. And the workers, uh, they always had a big lunch. And I remember, I remember, I can't remember, but uh, I was told going there and uh, with, um, with these people and gave me, they gave me to me and my friend uh, wine. And then the manager came and, and found me and my friend that we were almost knocked, uh, knocked off by all this uh, wine. And, and they went up to these people and said, why the hell you gave wine to these kids? And this guy looked at him and said, I couldn't give water to the son of my boss. So that was the beginning. That's a great line. That's a great excuse, but it's a great line. Now, what about, I mean, what about animals there? Did you, do you have any animals? It was of a very course, polycultural. Of course. We had, we had horses, we had cows. I remember going and, and uh, the evening collecting the fresh, uh, fresh milk. It was a little bit like living in medieval times. These, these homes where they really, they had, you know, we had, uh, 
conigli, uh, rabbits. rabbits, we had um, dogs and cats, and, and it was quite special, I must say. Um, Do you miss that a little bit? This kind of, like this kind of pre-technology era, you know, like you probably had a bath. You probably had a bath in a tin, a tin bath. You're on the floor, is that right? Heated by the fire, was that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Definitely. But I think that when you have a good time, you always miss uh, what is in the past, especially because you always remember the good things. And um, but I also remember that my home in the winter it was damn cold. But we we actually survived uh, very nicely. And uh, and uh, those things they actually the things that they you you grew up with them you, you you change with them and you actually become even more respectful of what you have these days so you went off to um to study wine and where did you go did you study in italy or when i was at, uh, in high school i knew i already knew i wanted to study agriculture because I had the idea of uh, this world that uh, you actually don't only produce wine, but you also have olive trees and you have uh, wheat and you have uh, a real farm. A mixed farm, yeah. And um, I remember going uh, and joining the Agricultural University of Florence. And um, that was uh, in the mid-80s. And at that time, there was not really a wine program. There was a grape transformation classes that was not even a, a real exam so when you say grape transfer you mean basically crushing the grapes and converting them into wine exactly yeah? okay so i think that we were in the cradle we are in florence in the cradle of, Cla- of chianti and in mid 80s there was not really a analogical school so at that point my father gave me this opportunity to go to california very far away uh, from florence a different world. Um, my English uh, was um, okay, um, not terrific, but okay. And uh, it's something that really changed uh, my, my whole perspective. I started to see the world of wine. Because when you are um, raised in a wine family, often you only see what you produce. Instead, when you step out, you actually see a lot of other, 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 other people that are producing something that is actually very good. And actually, sometimes you actually like it more than what you were producing. And then I had another great opportunity. When I was in Davis, I looked for, in June is my birthday, I was looking for some Frescobaldi wine, so I, I started to search them and I bumped into a gentleman called Darrell Corti, and that he had a, an amazing um, shop in Sacramento. And I went up to him in the cellar of this big shop. I saw cases and cases of Frescobaldi. So uh, I was 23 years old or 22, something like that. And I went up to him and I said, oh, I see a lot of Frescobaldi wine. Uh, why do you have so many cases of you? And he looks at me and says, do you think it's easy to sell that wine? And I said, oh, my God, I don't know. Uh, hello, I'm Mr. Frescobaldi. And we started chatting. And after he said, uh, would you like to work for me? And uh, I said, look, I'm studying. Yeah, OK, I'm happy enough to have you on Saturday. So I started working on Saturday from morning from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And also Dara gave me, uh, with us together with all the staff, gave me the opportunity, uh, it was every Thursday evening, to taste when the shop was closing. I was driving from Davis there and he gave me the opportunity to taste amazing things. He looked at me and said, have you ever tasted a Chateau Margaux? I don't think I had no idea. Chateau Margaux. When you're 20, you have 
You know, you don't have the budget and you have the idea. He was opening these bottles for me and the staff, for me, for the staff and also myself while I was there. And I started to taste wine from France, from South America. I remember from Georgia, Russia, from Spain, from various places of Italy. And I said, my God, how many good things are around the world. Now I'm starting to understand why there is such a great excitement with wine, because wine when it's, it's, it's a good wine is able to tell you the story from where it comes from and that's all about i think wine and uh, and of course it's like it's lovely to be up there to be the number one wine of the world but there are i think a number of number one wines of the world because all of those wines that they are able to capture the spirit of the soil of the place of the people and put them in a glass those all of them are number ones it's funny when you talk about spirit of the soil i mean you are now well you are the, the lar- largest castel gioconda your castel gioconda estate in montalcino is the lar- largest organic estate in montalcino i mean how many hectares have you got there now in vineyard uh, yeah. we are um, over 274 to be precise right so that's about um, in acres that's about 600 acres yeah yeah, yeah. okay so yeah, six and a half, 700 almost 700 the spirit of the soil i mean do you think there is a, a trend now to be much more attentive about um about the farming side of Look, wine. I, uh, we, we began the the organic uh, path in 2006 i remember we started with five hectares so 10 acres and then after a couple of years we we went up to 40 acres then 100 acres then and then at certain moment we decided to go the whole estate the reason was that the wines that we were able to produce he felt they had a little bit something, something beyond, something extra. Not extra layer of power, not extra layer of, of muscles, but uh, complexity. And also a little bit more uh, respectful of the vintage. When you go up to, to your wine lovers, that they spend uh, a certain amount of money for your bottle, you have to make them really part of your effort and see the differences that there is from one vintage to another and said this every vintage has to be good if not you have to be strong enough to not to bottle the wine but when you bottle the wine you have to really perceive the nuances there's really the differences that there are there is from one vintage to another and this it's not a weakness is actually a strength and this makes it so more amusing and so more interesting to your uh, love consumers. So when did you first get, I mean you obviously grew up at Nipotsana, when did you first arrive at Castel Gioconda? I was 1974, I was um, 11 years old. Uh, to be very honest, I used to go there with my father for another reason rather than vineyards. The place was uh, was was large and uh, the manager there had a Volkswagen, the Beetle. I remember it was a Beetle, uh, 1.3 liter, uh, whitish. Like Herbie, basically. Yeah, Herbie. And, uh, and so I was uh, grabbing this car and driving all day long and having a great time. Actually, my, my first car ever, I, it was a Beetle. I started to, it was a friend of mine that... Uh, um, few months before uh, with his grandfather in Ontario, Canada, taught me how to drive car. And uh, again, it was a Beetle. So you're only 13 when you learn how to drive. So uh, you learn uh, to drink at the age of six. You learn to drive at the age of uh, 11. 11. Yes. Okay, I won't ask. There's an obvious <laughs> next question, which we're really not going to go into here, folks. <laughs> so what was Castel Giocondo like at that time? At the, now we said it's, it's beautifully restored and it's sort of pristine. Yeah. What was it like then? It was in the middle of nowhere. When, in, in that time, my father started to, to do all 
all the renovation and, and transform land into vineyard, there was not really a place where to stay. So the, the tractor drivers, they needed a place. All the houses were totally ruined. So he went to a, to a how you say, un circo, and he bought a trailer and uh, he transformed that trailer half in house and half at a house for uh, do the maintenance of the tractors. And that trailer, we yet have it. We keep it in Pomino. And that was the house of those people. Initially, we had uh, tractor drivers from Florence. But then after a few weeks, they went up to my father and they said, you know, Mr. Frescobaldi, payment is good. But unfortunately, we feel unsafe. We're scared. We're in the middle of nowhere and we don't want to work here any longer. So he had to go and hire people from Emilia Romagna. He took these people from Emilia Romagna and uh, to keep on going. The, the business. So Castello Condo and Montalcino, 1974 up to 1980, it was in the middle of nowhere. You felt uncomfortable at night. You felt really, really felt that unsettled bandit territory. Yes, indeed. And wasn't one of the reasons why, when they were discussing building a main road from the north to the south, it could have gone via Montalcino, which would have brought obviously lots of traffic, but also lots of opportunities for jobs. But they built it along the coast, didn't they? So that's why it's remained incredibly isolated. It remained incre- incredibly isolated. And then things uh, happened, uh, thanks to also people like uh, Mr. Biondi Santi. And, uh, but I remember in the, in the 70s, we were something like 18 wineries. Now there are 250. Yeah, 200, yeah. But I mean, you, when you say it was unsafe, you do know how to shoot a rifle. Tell me about how you learned to do that. Uh, but that was uh, after my studies, I flew back to Italy. My, my grandmother was a real boss and she, she said to me and to all her nephews, guys, when you get at the right age, you have to join the army. Because every good Italian has to work for his uh, country, for, for his country, and and do the service and give back to your country. And uh, so I, uh, I did the the request to join the Carabinieri. The Carabinieri in Italy is the military police, and I did all the. I was happily accepted for the fact that I spoke English and some French. I was stationed in the International Airport of Fiumicino together with, with other carabinieri. We, it was, the group was 18 people. We had to do anti-terrorismo against terrorism. I remember we were doing special service for Elal, TWA in Pan Am. And it was an amazing experience uh, there at the airport because uh, we had to be careful. Elal especially was a target those days. And I guess also now. So those 15 months, uh, they really flew away very quickly. I was very tempted to remain in the army. Do you think your dad would have been disappointed? Absolutely. My, My girlfriend, she actually went up to my father and she said... Look, Lamberto is thinking of, of, of joining the army. And uh, so my father said, you know, after all those studies you did, I would like you to come over and, and look at the vineyards. Uh, we, had, we need to do a renovation. And, and I said, yeah, that, you know, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with what I'm doing. And, and actually, to be very honest, um, also, I'm, I'm paid very well. <laughs> and uh, joining family business and uh, so he said uh, look I can't uh, give you a good uh, wage per month because it's family business family business is something where uh, he can never be generous but I'm going to give it out from my pocket 
a little bit more. And, uh, and that was the, well, that was the deal. And, uh, and I'm very thankful to him because then I had the opportunity to renovate the vineyards of Frescobaldi. You know, when you're in the army and, and you have... Uh, to be Carabinieri, you were very powerful those days. Because of the political situation at the time, it was very dangerous, wasn't it? It was dangerous, but at the same time, you, you were somebody already. <laughs> it was a good feeling. You were 20, I was 24 years old. And, uh, but then I had this great opportunity uh, initially with that. Uh, and then what really... Like uh, for me, winning a lottery was uh, the joint venture with uh, the Mondavis. Uh, that was 1975, being the joint venture uh, with the vineyards in Montalcino, with Tim Mondavi. So I was the county, county part of, of the Frescobaldi in Italy. And so dealing with, with Tim, really, they really that changed uh, the whole my perspective. And also gave me the opportunity to become a little bit more known in my family. And so after, um, at the end of the, of the 90s, the supervisor that was in charge of Frescobaldi, of the production of Frescobaldi, retired. And so they, yeah, well, I was appointed to that. And uh, so thanks to, again, to my English, to the, the Mondavis, and to the quality that Luce delivered, I was then appointed to Frescobaldi. Frescobaldi was a little bit more of a task to change it around. I'm still working on it. But, I mean, the fact that you'd worked in America gives you enormous credibility, doesn't it? I and mean, the fact that you've actually gone there, lived there, studied there, dealt with the culture and accepted the culture and they've accepted you. I mean, that was quite rare at the time because I think Italy sometimes accused, or was in those days, of being a little bit inward looking. Absolutely. You know, also uh, economically, Italy was... Uh, was always very, quite, I would say, successful on, on exporting. But because we were, uh, every now and then, we had inflation. And so uh, the lira was very weak. And so we, were, we could export very efficiently. But to send kids abroad was actually very expensive. And I must say, I have to thank again to my parents, my father and my mother, that they were able to, to send me abroad. I mean, I've just worked out, you are, you're, you are an enologist. Uh, your army police experience, you were a lieutenant, and you're also a Marquis, aren't you? <laughs> I didn't do anything special, to be very honest, Monty. But um, when you get there, you have to... I think the most important thing is to uh, work uh, hard every day, to have a healthy company, to have uh, a good amount of employees, hopefully to make them to be responsible and happy of what they're doing. Uh, then you have to be responsible also for them and for their family. I think that this is uh, the most important thing. What, what's your next challenge? But the next challenge, it's, uh, it's always uh, the challenge. It's, uh, it's always around the corner. I think that the, over the last uh, few years, one great challenge for me was to do a wine in, in, a, in a jail in an island off the coast of Tuscany. It's a small uh, jail island and to have these people work. The project is called Gorgona, is the name of the island. So it's a prison on the island of Gorgona. It's yeah. a prison on the Isle of Gorgona since uh, nine, in 2012, been working there. And uh, last year, I planted an extra um, a, acre and a half of vineyard. Overall, now they're almost four acres, so it's, it's a tiny project. But the white wine we produce there, it's, I must say, is it's very special, it's very unique. What's the great variety? The great varieties are two. It's uh, Ansonica, that is planted from Sicily up to the coast of Tuscany, and Vermentino. The cellar is there, it's in the island, and the inmates are, are so responsible of this project. They are, we've hired them, they get a wage. I think it's, uh, it's giving them an, uh, an opportunity to learn something, but to even more than learning something, to be, again, passionate 
about working. Because to work, when you start working for a number of years, then you don't have, it's quite difficult to start again. And that's a, an opportunity. These people that are working there, we are giving them an opportunity for the future then to go on someplace else and work or also for us. I mean, when you go there, I mean, obviously you obviously you don't call yourself a market, but obviously you're I mean, very well-educated, very well-traveled man. Do they do they respect you for what you're doing just on a human level or do they still kind of maybe slightly suspect you that, you know, well, he's a, he's an aristocrat um, or do they just accept you as one of them? But look, I, I tell you a story. When I went there, mm, it was mm, the first time was uh, August the 3rd, 2012. I started going there um, pretty often, and to get there, you have to go with the bull police. Leaves at nine, eight o'clock in the morning, sharp from Livorno. An hour and twenty minutes to go there, and I was going in and out, in and out, uh, almost once every twenty days. And once uh, in May, there were the inmates. A couple of them came up to me and uh, looked at me, and they said, "But." Are you Mr. Frescobaldi? And I said, yeah, I guess so. Somebody said that, you know, yes. And because I never said to them, hello, I never presented myself. It was hello and that was it. And so they looked at me and said, ah, we thought he was much an older person than you. And I said, you know, it will happen. Don't worry. It will happen one day. I'm going to get there. And so they, I was never snobbish about it or that's a, quite a very wrong approach with life. And they, they felt that I was part of them. And uh, almost, what was last, two years ago, uh, I presented the wine, it was June 27, it's my birthday, and I decided to go there to present that. I took my family, my, my wife, my kids, and uh, also the director of the, of the jail, Mr. Mazzerbo, his birthday was also June 27. We opened a few bottles of Gorgona and uh, we shared them with all the inmates. We, we said, you know, very soon, some of you are going to be out. You have to, you have to go on and, and do what it has to be done right. There is uh, so much satisfaction in life when you're able to put your, your foot in the right direction. And uh, sometimes it's difficult, but mm, the difficult things, they give you much more satisfaction than the easy way. It's absolutely fantastic talking to you. Very, very interesting on many, many levels. And um, I hope we can have another conversation at some stage in the future. Thank you very much. I look forward to having you in Nipozzano or Pomino or all the other beautiful estates. Thanks, Lambert. Oh, you can show me how to milk cows. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks very much. Thank you. Follow us at Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook.